Hello and welcome. I'm Susie Jones. So happy to have you with us this morning, reminding you right out of the gates, if you have a financial question, you can always call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1-888-6-ADVICE, or you can email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Right now, though, as you are listening for the next hour, use our talk and text line at 651-461-9226. Now here is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Mr. Helmer, how are you? Hello, Susie Jones. I'm great. I trust you are well also. I am indeed. It looks like Peg is not going to be joining us this morning, but you do have a special guest. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, we do. Thank you. Peg is uh, taking another well-deserved week off, but we're very fortunate to have with us this morning Dan Dukowski. Dan is a uh, senior consultant on the investment management team at Wealth Enhancement Group. He's been in our industry for more than 20 years. Uh, prior to coming to Wealth Enhancement Group, he was a, a portfolio strategist at Ameriprise, as well as a senior fixed income trading and portfolio strategist at U.S. Bank. He has a uh, technical designation uh, called Chartered Market Technician. I don't know exactly what that is, but I know you got to be pretty darn smart to get one, and I don't have one. And uh, Dan's on this morning. As frequent listeners to the show uh, know, about once a quarter, we like to try to give an update of how we see the world, where have we been, where do we think we are going. And again, nobody ever knows for sure, but Dan and and, and that team look at this stuff pretty carefully and uh, probably can give us as good of perspective as anybody can. Dan, welcome. Thanks for taking time to be on the show. Hey, Bruce. Good to be with you this morning. And Susie, nice to join you as well. I appreciate the intro. And uh, yeah, looking forward to today's show. So, Dan, um, obviously, when when you've had a tough year like we have, and I would tell you, and, and you and I uh, just met uh, on the phone this week and uh, not met face-to-face yet. Uh, Wealth Enhancement Group is growing and is so big now, that, and, and with, uh, with the pandemic, it's, it's a different world that we live in. But as you might well imagine, when you go through a tough year like this, even though our clients are pretty well coached not to get too shook up about, you know, retractions in the market, that that's normal and it happens every so often, and to think time, not timing, and, you know, don't worry about things you can't control. All those things, our clients are pretty good. I've got to admit that this year, more than probably any year since 2008, I have had more nervous clients and more so recently in the last few weeks, and I, I think maybe what, what drove it was the third quarter statement. You know, one quarter of retraction, maybe they don't get too nervous, maybe two quarters, they still are okay, but three in a row, um, maybe they start to get a little bit nervous. So what's, what's uh, our view of the world right now based on, you know, what's happened recently and where you think we're going and why you think that's where we're going? Yeah, absolutely, Bruce. I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. 2022 has just been incredibly challenging across the globe between what's going on in Ukraine with Russia, the European energy crisis, which some of us have heard about, maybe some of us aren't as familiar with, uh, China's zero COVID policy, lingering health and supply chain impacts from COVID, just an additional plus of other challenges that seem to impact us in one way or another, whether we realize it or not. As you mentioned, we had our third negative quarter this year in both stock and bond markets. So, 
you know, typically you say one's going to go up, one might go down, but we're kind of experiencing some correlation there, and both have been down all three quarters. You know, Bruce, we're really searching for that silver lining right now, and we're looking at this glass as half full. Uh, we understand that future earnings may be challenged here, and we'll talk a little more about that this morning, but inflation expectations are finally moderating a little bit. Bond markets are once again providing relatively attractive yields. Right now we're seeing things north of 4%. And from a seasonality perspective in the equity markets, we've been seeing some positive equity market returns here in the fourth quarter. We may see the trend continue, at least in the short term, um, after we've had relatively uh, elevated investor pessimism here at the end of Q3. So those are kind of the things that we're seeing in our area. Bruce, these can be many of the same, you know, many of the pressing topics we see. Are your clients seeing anything else or is there anything buzzing in social media? Anything else coming to mind for you? Yeah, again, Dan, thanks for asking. And, uh, and listeners, you can get involved and ask Dan good questions today, too. I'll remind, Susie gave the number, but I'll remind you, 651-461-9226 if you want to text or get on the show uh, verbally today. But, Dan, you know, again, I, I think, it, and, and clients have a hard time, even well-coached clients have a hard time accepting. I've had, I guess I've had some clients say, well, I know we can't control the markets, but couldn't we have done something to ease the pain or ease the bleeding? It seems like you guys didn't, didn't do anything, and, and that's just not true. Or maybe sometimes you know, the best advice is, well, just stay the course, but after three successive bad quarters, they don't maybe want to hear that, just stay the course. But you know, I think everybody intellectually understands you don't want to sell when it's, uh, when it's low. You want to buy low, sell high. Everybody understands that intellectually, but after uh, three tough quarters in a row, emotions start to you know take over. Fear starts to take over a little bit. So that's kind of what I'm dealing with. And you know, and the question specifically that you asked about inflation, it becomes so politicized, which is unfortunate. You know, they, people want to blame the political party that they don't favor, and and sometimes there might be some basis in that. But this inflation is not unique to the U.S. This is global. And it's logical when you think about it, when you the China's, you know, zero COVID policy basically shut down the second largest economy in the world, not importing and exporting the war in the Ukraine and just the, the, the post pandemic new normal and the pent up demand supply and demand inflation, I think, was somewhat predictable. Now, maybe not to the extent that we've had it, and maybe there's other things that have contributed, but this is a complicated subject. It's not easy to just point a finger at one thing and say, that's what caused inflation. Why don't they fix it? It's it's not an easy thing to fix. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to talk about your earlier point, too, is regarding kind of the, you know, the psyche and we get rattled here in the markets. You know, as advisors, we, we get to put on our advisor hats, and really that's kind of what we're here to do or help, you know, help, help clients think about the longer term. And what I'd say here at Wealth Enhancement Group, too, is we have portfolios that, you know, if the markets are going to go down, we're not going to say that we're not going to come down a little bit with you. But we have a lot of portfolios that are capturing more of the upside when the markets are up and less of the downside when markets are down. That's just some of our factor analysis that we're providing in the portfolios. And we also have some individual solutions that, whether it's like a hedged equity solution, an inflation-focused solution, a low correlation kind of sleeve to your portfolio. These are strategies that we can employ. And it's not just when times are tough or when, you know, when inflation is kind of rearing its head. These are kind of bolt-ons or kind of tactical weightings that we can add to the portfolio to be held, you know, whether it's just for a couple of years or for longer term. So 
Um, you know, to your earlier point, definitely, you know, we want to say stay the course. Think about this overall financial plan. This is a longer term thing. Yes, the headwinds are very difficult here, um, but we will persist. You know, inflation is here. Uh, the Fed's raising rates. Uh, we do think, you know, we will start seeing some improvements here. Um, you know, on the inflation side, uh, we are pretty confident that we have peaked here just north of 8%. And that's great. If we think inflation's peaked, then your next two questions might be, well, when will it come down and, and how far will it come down or how fast will it come down? Uh, and these are very important questions because it's going to dictate the pace of what the Fed is going to do to raise rates or potentially at some point even decide to lower rates. So the lowering rates, you know, part of the equation is probably going to come into play until, you know, possibly, you know, next year or even a little bit further out. Um, but again, the rate at which the Fed's been raising rates, you know, we've been seeing on the news is going to be 75. It's going to be 100 basis points. Uh, we've already experienced that. You know, what's kind of coming up here? That's very important because um, right now the, the Fed funds rate is what the Fed's using to kind of fight this inflation battle that we're, we're currently seeing. And, you know, I, I, I think it's important and I think we're correct to keep focusing on the two big words are, you know, market retraction and inflation. Inflation, because my clients, you know, are paying $4 for gas and a pound of butter and it's, and it's impacting them financially to, to have to pay this much. And at the same time, they're getting their quarterly 401k statements and they're seeing it shrink. So, again, this nervousness is not. Um, it's understandable. Again, I, 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 no matter how well you coach people, I think they've been through a lot this year. Uh, I, w- I want to go back to something, Dan. Um, you mentioned, and I think this is important that people realize this, that stocks and bonds are both down this year. And I think a lot of listeners know, and we've talked about it on this show, that typically, or most of the time, Stocks and bonds have a converse relationship. When one's doing well, the other isn't, and vice versa. Part of what has made this such a tough year is there's kind of no safe, no safe harbor because stocks and bonds are both taking it on the chin. Then you add in some other asset classes, commercial real estate, and you know there's not much this year that has done well. There's been very few places to go, right? Absolutely. That's correct. That's correct. So what is yeah, so, again, so what's your go ahead? Well, I was going to say this, you know, kind of going back. Um, I know we kind of talked about inflation and the Fed. Just kind of want to wrap up a few thoughts on there too. Um, again, and like you talked about too, between the price of a gallon of gas or a stick of butter or you know a gallon of milk. Um, you know, I've got a seven-year-old and five-year-old, and you know, we we go to the drive-through McDonald's every now and then, and that's you know that's even running ten dollars. You know, I go back in the day and it was two, three bucks for a Happy Meal. Now it's you know, you're talking uh, ten, fifteen dollars for that, or if you go out for dinner with your wife, it's you know it could run fifty to hundred bucks, whatever it might be. It's just yeah, inflation is definitely here. Um, and just want to note too, this is something kind of sticky. Unfortunately, it's not going to come down overnight or by the end of the holiday season here. Uh, this is something that we do feel could take a great deal of time and effort to bring down again as the Fed kind of finds uh, what they feel is acceptable. Um, and again. With interest rates, like I mentioned previously, we think we've either peaked or very close to peaking. Um, and that we can kind of tell just by checking in with the markets and seeing what the futures curve is. So basically, we know what the Fed funds rate is right now. It's between 3 to 3.25%. There's a futures curve that kind of says, what is the market kind of pricing in or what do we feel it's going to rise to? And right now, it's around 4.5%. Um, we feel that could maybe go a little bit higher, but let's just say 45 5% is where we kind of feel the Fed funds rate might top out at. Um, and again, that's kind of the way 
the, the Fed's been kind of uh, trying to combat higher inflation. Now, a lot of that might already be priced in the market. So you might say, all right, the Fed's raising rates. Um, how does that impact inflation? Well, or when is gonna, kind of that inflation going to end? The latest CPI increased about 8.2% over the last 12 months. And the Fed fund rate sits again, as we talked about, between three and three and a quarter. So that's about a 5% gap. It's pretty sizable right now. But we know inflation's coming down and Fed funds is ruining higher. So we kind of expect this process to repeat itself again. Um, so as we said, we expect inflation to kind of just continue to slowly grow through the year. Um, Fed funds rates likely to top out around 4.55%. Eventually, the market's going to reach its equilibrium point where interest rates are high enough to keep inflation at a reasonable level. Um, you know, we see the one and a half to 2% levels of inflation we've seen over the past decade. You know, our consumers, our clients, everybody's gotten very comfortable with. Um, unfortunately, probably not, but something in the 2 to 4%, kind of that long-term range we've seen, um, could likely be a good destination for the economy. Well, the, the other point that I've made with clients is, you know, this is, I'm, I'm not unsympathetic, but I'm old enough to remember, you know, the 80s, I'm, you know, the first house I bought, um, my mortgage rate was 9%, and I thought that was a great deal. So we went through a 20-year low rate of, you know, low interest rates, low inflation that, frankly, wasn't always typical, but that's what a lot of people have gotten used to, and a lot of people, if they're not as old as I am, that's, not, that's all they've ever known. So, again, I'm not unsympathetic, but you have to look at this thing historically and, and you know, in a different uh, perspective. Um, and what does all this mean to the markets? And, and you know, we're on a we, – we, we came off a really good week. In fact, I think uh, we were up all five days last week and the Friday before that. So I think we're on a six-day winning streak and even a four-week winning streak. Does that change your perspective? Does that change uh, your outlook uh, in terms of optimism with regard to the markets? Or what, what, what should investors take away from that? Does it mean anything? Yeah, that's a great question, Bruce. And, you know, I wish we all had that crystal ball to know for sure. Um, <clears throat> again, as you mentioned, I'm a CMT or a chartered market technician. So I look at things kind of on a personal level through a little bit of a different lens. I look at charts and volatility and uh, momentum, kind of what's going on in the markets where it's it's very factual. You know, prices print every day, volume prints every day, charts kind of update every day. Those are things that we, we kind of take a look at. Um, but then if you kind of take a look more at the fundamental and financial picture and where the economy is, um, it's a little bit more cloudy, even to the extent that analysts right now are having difficulty really predicting or having comfortable uh, comfort kind of predicting forward um, earnings projections. So I think typically um, I read a statistic, too, that companies are kind of typically able to raise estimates maybe 50, 60 percent of the time. Um, we're only seeing that level of about 20 percent right now. So even companies aren't as comfortable providing forward guidance or providing raised forward guidance um, for their company. But with that said, you know, is this bear market over yet? Um, to your point, you know, we saw the S&P 500 up about 6.7% last week. It was a great kind of relief rally. Um, from a technical perspective, the markets were incredibly oversold. And also kind of from a technical perspective, you know, we have some favorable seasonality ahead. So October, November, December um, can often be pretty attractive returning uh, periods in the market. Um, even from a presidential election cycle, this is kind of a good year to be in the markets. Uh, again, Q4. Um, however, as far as, you know, is the bottom in yet? Bottoms in equity markets are more likely when we've had, you know, we have lower interest rates, which we don't have. 
a weaker U.S. dollar, which you know we're at the highest we've been in about 20 years, and a, and a bottom in PMI or the Purchasing Managers Index, um, which right now still has some room down. So again, rates have been moving up. Dollars at its highest level since 2002. PMI is trending down as of late, but again, probably some more room down for a bottom to be put in place. So if we look at it from those three perspectives, you know, I would say the bottom's probably not quite here yet. But again, we might have a nice, you know, Q4 could be attractive for investors who've been kind of faced with three tough quarters so far here into 2022. Um, I know I've been kind of jumping around on you. Uh, listeners understand we talk about it on the show that we have, you know, kind of an outline or a, a track to run on, but then, you know, different thoughts, different questions, different things come in my mind, and I bounce around a little bit. We've got about four minutes left, Dan, in this uh, first segment. What are other, and we can still, anything we don't get to in the first segment, we'll hit in the second half, and we'll try to get listeners involved in the second half also, but what do you think in the, in the next couple of minutes, a uh, couple of key things you want to make sure you mention for listeners today that you, we don't leave without you talking about? Yeah, if anything, you know, to your point earlier, Bruce, just kind of like to, to stay the course. And I know that's hard to hear, but, um, you know, it's, it's history kind of repeats itself time and time again. These are kind of the times, if anything, to be you know, potentially looking to dollar cost average in. And even if you are concerned about the markets, you know, just know that there are strategies out there that we can employ. Um, we've had some advisors and some clients recently who said, you know, to your earlier point, hey, I'm concerned about the markets. Where can I kind of go to hide? Because, you know, there haven't been a lot of positive uh, returning opportunities. Um, we see the short duration space, the short duration fixed income space is a nice attractive opportunity right now. It's a place you can kind of tuck some dollars aside and earn a nice 2 to 3% return. We've even had some clients, you know, buying treasuries, which, you know, that's another option. But even on the equity side, um, again, we have core portfolios. We also have ways to get exposure to uh, equity markets, private equity markets, um, hedged equity, uh, lots of kind of ways to still stay in the markets while we kind of battle inflation and, and the downside that we've seen as of late. Um, so, again, if I leave anything in the next few minutes here, again, it's difficult it might be to say or to hear or kind of looking at your statement. Um, it truly, again, to kind of keep staying the course, we feel is, uh, is the best play you can kind of make in the long term. Um, we've got a couple minutes yet. I wanted to go back to something. You mentioned the strong dollar and then how markets usually bottom out when the, when the dollar is weak. I always thought, and I think listeners think, a strong dollar is good news, but you made it sound like that's bad news. Can you comment on that briefly? Yeah, so when you have a strong dollar, basically the higher U.S. dollar helps mitigate inflation by you know, making imports less expensive, but that can also make a challenging an environment for you know, import and exporting of trade. Um, so when you have excess dollar strength, again, it can kind of also negatively impact global growth. So again, if you think of some of our trade partners, whether it's Japan, U.K., uh, China, Canada, et cetera, um, you know, for example, year-to-date through September 30th, um, you know, the U.S. dollar is appreciated 12% against China, roughly 20% against South Korea, 21% against the U.K., and over 25% against Japan. So, um, yes, it's, it, it helps, you know, here on the homeland, it, it helps strengthen the U.S. economy. But overall, from a global growth perspective, um, you know, it can be – or I'll take a step back. It's advantageous for U.S. stocks relative to international stocks, but this persistence of it, um, does provide some implications for U.S. investment attractiveness and its relative valuations across the globe. Okay.
Okay, before I throw it back to to Susie, Dan, uh, next uh, segment uh, we'll we'll try to get listeners involved. But the first question I want you to lead lead with, and I'll give you some time to think about it, a client sent me an article this week that was very negative, predicting like a a decade-long bear run in the U.S. domestic market. And um, I had a comment to my client, but I want to know if you had that question if uh, that someone was predicting uh, you know, an eight to 10 year bear market run on domestic stocks, what would you tell that person? How would you react to that? Um, I know how I did. I want to hear how you did and see how similar we are, but think about that. And uh, uh, Susie, I know we're about due for a break. Uh, Dan, we'll, we'll make Dan lead with the answer to that question. And then maybe a couple of other things we didn't get to the first half. And then listeners can help us in the second half also. All right. Thank you so much. Reminding listeners, if you have a question right now, get on our talk and text line, and that is 651-461-9226. If you want to wait and call back at a different time, you can call Wealth Enhancement 24 hours a day, seven days a week, one eight 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 six advice Or you can always email your question. That's yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. Welcome back. It is your money. I'm Susie Jones. Bruce Helmer is with us as well as our special guest, Dan Dukowski. And we are taking your calls at 651-461-9226. Remember as well, if you're listening and you have a question and you don't want to jump on right now, you can write this down, yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. That's the place that you can send your email questions to and someone will definitely get back to you. Bruce, welcome back. Uh, continuing our conversation. Take it away. Susie, thank you. And boy, nice job in Dan's last name. I had to practice that for several days. You got it right just out of the gate. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> thank you. Dan, Dan Dukowski, Dan's a senior consultant with our investment management team at Wealth Enhancement Group. Uh, smart guy, been in the business over 20 years. He's a chartered market technician, and he's given us insights. And, Dan, what we, what we didn't say, we did say in the first half that we do this uh, about once a quarter uh, for listeners, but we also do it for clients. In our quarterly statement, we usually, as part of our newsletter, we have a market and strategy update, and that's kind of what we're doing on the show. We're kind of telling listeners or the world what we tell uh, our, our clients and a couple of things that we didn't get to in the in the first half, uh, we did talk obviously about inflation and higher interest rates, but we really didn't delve into what's what that's doing to home prices. What what oh, but but I also I promised to lead with um, the bear market, the domestic bear market that's unavoidable in long term. Um, how would you respond to that? So I give you a couple of things that you can run with there. Well, I tell you, Bruce, the, home, the housing answer is a lot easier than the bear market one, but uh, no, I'm just joking. I'm joking with you. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the bear market and, and kind of what should we what should we talk about with clients? And I guess, again, the first off, you know, I don't sit in the advisor seat, but I have, you know, worked with many of our advisors who have wealth enhancement, and I have worked with advisors probably over the last decade or so, um, maybe the last 10, 15 years or so with my professional work experience. And the first thing I want to say is, you know, we relate. We, we truly do. These we, we go to sleep at night. We we also have restless nights as well. We feel a lot of what's kind of going on along with you. Um, but knowing, again, that when we build these portfolios, we are thinking for the longer term. So as simple as it might sound, what I'll often say, too, is, you know, if you look at a chart and you see the market's down, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent, just keep zooming out. 
zoom out weekly, monthly, annually, look back over the next 10, 20 years. And if you look back, you know, say over the last 10, 20 years, you'll see that we're still kind of in this longer term run. So um, again, no, it's not going to help some of the sleepless nights or some of the volatility that we're seeing. But I'd say, you know, when, when in fear, just zoom out. You know, it's kind of one way to, to look at it. Um, but also as kind of an advisor, I'd say, you know, our job is to really relate and, and listen to the client. Is, is the volatility going to impact their, their shorter term, their medium term, their longer term goals? And if so, let's address that. Um, let's maybe help rerun projections to kind of see, you know, yes, clients, I know you're concerned about the markets, but even amidst everything that's going on here, we have a diversified portfolio. We've kind of all of our ducks in a row. You're still sitting very well. So again, just kind of reassuring the client. But now as far as it says, you know, what about this potential decade, you know, long bear run? Um, you know, you've got a client that's maybe concerned about the, the, what the markets are kind of seeing and what they might uh, might roll out here the next five to 10 years. And again, in our view, both enhancement and I would say just kind of overall in the industry, um, this is something that's very common. You know, it happened in 08, 09 when the market crashed. We kind of felt this, is this really the, the end of kind of the world as we know it? And you can see the huge, you know, bull run that we had after that. Um, what I would just add is <clears throat> from a cash perspective, uh, the numbers are changing, but I want to say the latest was between four and a half to five trillion dollars of cash is currently sitting on the sidelines. Um, that money is going to be redeployed at some point. So even as you and I, as you know, kind of retail investors, there's institutional investors and pension funds and large, large, uh, again, funds that need to deploy this cash. Markets will return at some point. Um, again, it's difficult to get through these tougher times. I would just say, I guess, personally speaking, I don't feel that that. Uh, decade-long bull market, bear market is ahead. Uh, what I can say is I can relate to the the concern and the fear and the potential that those things could arise. But again, in our professional opinion, uh, we don't think whether we're heading towards that uh, that course. Well, that, that's essentially the same answer I gave my client. I said I I don't buy this article. I don't I don't think their case is compelling, and I gave him reasons why I thought that. But I said let's for a second assume this is right and the sky is falling. What would you really do different? You're going to put all your money in cash. You're going to put it all in bonds. Are you going to uh, go to Vegas and try to, you know, make money in the casino? Are you going to bury it in your backyard? What would you really do differently? Wouldn't you have a diversified portfolio with exposure not only to domestic stocks? Maybe they struggle, but maybe global stocks, emerging market stocks do well. Maybe bonds do well. Real estate commodities, precious metals like gold and silver, wouldn't you have a diversified portfolio if you thought this was really true? And then, and then I said, wait, you do have a diversified portfolio. I don't know what you would do differently, even if you believe this. So that was my answer, and I, and I don't believe it, but I think the, the client is still doing the right things. And even if they believe that, I'm not sure what they should do differently. Okay, how about home prices and these high interest rates? Yeah, so you know, speaking of rates, um, it's had a huge impact on the housing market. <clears throat> and as we've all seen, housing afford affordability has severely been deteriorated. Um, you know, 30 year mortgage rates last year were about 3%. And we thought, hey, this is great. Well, they're 7% today. So let's just put that in perspective for our listeners for just a quick minute, you know, with some actual numbers. Let's pretend it's early 2021. You've been pre approved for a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. You put your 20% down. And from a P&I perspective, you can afford $2,500 a month. You can purchase a very nice home here in the, you know, the west suburbs of uh, the metro that we live in, Bruce, for about $759,000. Today, about 18 months later, that same $2,500 a month payment 
only allows for a $476,000 home purchase. So that's about $283,000 lower or about 37% lower. So again, still a nice, very, very nice home, but that's about a third of the value of what you were looking at previously is suddenly just gone just due to the impact of, of rates. Um, the alternative to that would be, all right, let's just say I want to kind of keep looking for that home. How does that impact things? Uh, well, I would say the average 30-year fixed monthly mortgage cost right now has increased for for us uh, for customers by about $1,000 over the last year. So what I mean by that is the median mortgage payment is up about 60% from a year ago. That's about 15% of someone's median household income, um, the largest increase we've seen since 1981. So, I mean, we talk about interest rates and inflation and how it's impacting everything we get from our from the food we buy to the gas we put in our vehicle. Um, on the housing side, wow, I mean, median mortgage payment up 60%, potential home you're buying is suddenly down a third. That's huge. Um, have you Do you have any clients that are kind of in that situation? And if so, are, are they shifting gears as far as, homes are looking to buy or are they looking to pull from savings or, or kind of how are they approaching what we're seeing in the in the mortgage market yeah i you know my client base and again not that i don't have younger clients on occasion but my my client base tends to be older you know 50s and older and they're not buying right now but but some of them were you know were talking about uh, the so-called downsizing, which I always remind them is really right-sizing. You're not necessarily going to get something cheaper just because it's smaller or one level. Um, and they're wondering about the timing. And, and you know, Dan, my advice is um, I know from a purely timing um, uh, viewpoint, it's maybe not a good time to be a seller right now. But my, my generally my advice to clients is, the right time for you is when it's the right time for you. Timing the real estate market to, to hit the top or the bottom is a little bit like trying, to, in my mind, like trying to time the, the stock market. And your life circumstances really, I think, are the key driver of the home you should or shouldn't be in. It's really more of a lifestyle question or a practicality question. I'm not saying economics don't enter into it at all, but I think it's a lower priority. But so some of my clients that were hesitant to sell right now, I said, look, we can help you run the numbers and maybe it's not as good as it would have been a year ago, but I bet you're still going to be okay. And I wouldn't not do it if that's what makes sense in your lifestyle. So you're right. We are getting that question. Not a lot, but a little. And, you know, the, again, the key is is to look at each situation individually and does it still make sense for them or, or, or not. Maybe they should wait. Yeah, um, the one other yeah. area that I thought we – oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. I thought the, oh, the other no. area that we, sh- that we should go um, – Everybody's talking about headwinds. Everybody's talking about inflation, uh, supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine, China, COVID lockdown. What, what does all this mean to investors? And what are we doing to try to offset some of these headwinds? And what kind of, uh, what kind of positivity or, 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 or optimistic outlook can we try to help people find when they hear about all these headwinds every day? Yeah, absolutely. This, you know, what I'd say this this advice could kind of pertain to, you know, a, a younger retail customer all the way up to, you know, a wealthier, retired individual, single, married, you know, whatever you might have you. I'd say, again, we have strategies that really kind of can be custom tailored and can fit um, anybody's needs, again, from minimums to liquidity needs to, um, you know, return expectations, whatever it might be. Um, just with kind of at a high, at a high level, we have some portfolio strategies, again, that we implement at Wealth Enhancement Group 
that tackle various things that we've already talked about. So we have one called inflation focused. This allocation would include treasury inflation protected securities or TIPS, uh, inflation swaps via mutual funds and commodity exposure. Again, these are all through mutual funds. So again, you're going to get that kind of inflation balance or exposure to assets that do well in inflation through this allocation, again, through TIPS, inflation swaps and commodities. Uh, we have another sleeve that we call low correlation. And what low core is, is really kind of what it sounds like. Again, it's things that are low correlated or, or have negative correlation to equity markets. They include a blend of alternative strategies from managed futures, merger arbitrage, convertible arbitrage, event-driven, um, and or different market-neutral strategies. And then kind of the third more common offering is something that's new to our platform called hedged equity. Uh, this strategy involves two different funds that take a systematic approach to providing hedge exposure to the S&P 500. So what they're doing is they're actively protecting some of that downside of the equity markets in exchange for capping some of that upside participation that, again, a long-only investor may expect. So what this does is if you kind of think of, you know, driving down a road and you've got the guardrails, what we're really doing is on the downside where that guardrail is going to help protect some of that downside. And likewise, to, to kind of pay for that insurance policy, there's a guardrail on the other side of that road where if you were to go higher, we're going to, we're going to cap some of that upside. But again, our goal is really to kind of mitigate some of the volatility, kind of have that nice long-term growth over the longer term. So those are kind of more of our, I'd say, kind of quote-unquote traditional strategies. If you had a client who's looking more on the alternative investment spectrum, that's actually a platform that we're growing in leaps and bounds here, especially in Q3, Q4, wealth enhancement. Um, it's a team that I work with in portfolio consulting and investment management we're extremely excited about. Uh, we have a, a, a bunch of strategies that we're adding right now that have low correlation to the markets and have historically performed well, both in long-term up, down, and flat markets. So again, strategies that, if you think of like, you know, we've already talked about real estate. This is private core real estate. Things like, um, again, multi-unit apartment buildings, things that always have strong demand in some very strong areas that are returning 6 8 10% annually, good periods and bad periods. You know, everybody needs an apartment. Everybody needs a place to live. Um, these strategies can also include private equity or private credit, hedge fund, or structured notes. Um, additionally, if you have any clients or if anybody's listening, um, if you have concentrated stock positions, so you know, here in, in the Minnesota area, we have a lot of clients with General Mills or 3M or U.S. Bank Exposure, um, obviously United Health Group. Any of those kind of concentrated stock positions, um, we have strategies that we can use to also help them mitigate some of the risk, whether it's through callers, put spread callers. I'll take a step back through options. Uh, so again, I say callers or put spread callers. Again, these are options that we can employ. Um, and we can also even generate additional yield through some of these strategies. So, you know, that additional yield may not necessarily protect against downside. But if you're getting a couple extra percent um, per annum of return, it can help make that 5 or 10% loss um, not feel quite as difficult. So, again, things that are a little bit more traditional, all the way to kind of options-based, all the way to more kind of a private equity, private real estate, um, private credit sort of perspective. Um, and some of that stuff is, uh, you know, that you're talking about is is new things that we're adding. Uh, but we've always, you know, going back to our inception, had certain things that we do, you know, we've, we were make, we've been making moves this year. Some of the things that we are doing are working and helping, but we're just in a year where there's just not a whole lot that we can do. Very unusual year. Thankfully, we don't see too many uh, 2022s, and, and hopefully 2023 is better. And I guess that's my last question, Dan, before we get 
uh, listeners uh, a chance to ask questions. What's your outlook for next year? Do you think it'll be better than this year? Or are you, you know, the, the, the market strategy update that we gave clients, as I read it, is pretty pessimistic yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, again, it's, it's, it's really how you approach the markets. You know, even, even here in 2022, as we've talked about, there's been very few places to kind of, you know, hide out. Um, short-term treasuries and commodities perform pretty well. Stocks and bonds are obviously off, uh, you know, 20, 15 to 20% so far this year. What I'd say is in our strategies, our, our investment management team does a very good job of managing kind of the styles and factors that are going into the models. So certain things that have performed well earlier this year, such as energy, um, a lot of our allocations slightly tilted, you know, towards energy and maybe out of technology. So again, we're not talking large, large shifts in the portfolio, but enough to have a meaningful impact. Um, you know, in Q3, momentum factor outperformed. Uh, a lot of leadership rotated away from growth. Um, and quality performance basically uh, had skewed by, you know, a little bit higher allocations of tech. So that's why, again, uh, momentum did very well. Again, think of your energy, um, some of your value plays there. Now, as it relates to 2023, we do feel that this approach, you know, it's worked, worked for us for decades at Wealth Enhancement. Um, we think kind of that silent factor approach will still um, persist and still perform to do well. Um, but if you said, hey, you know, where does 23 lead us? Um, again, I think Q4 of this year, we might still have, you know, some upside ahead. Again, that's, that's maybe more of a personal opinion. Um, and then as it relates to next year, again, we still have a lot of uh, headwinds as it relates to earnings. Um, if we think of, you know, people think of the PE levels in the markets and what's the, you know, how high is the PE and where is it at, relatively speaking, um, you know, in the first half of 2022, the equity market decline was largely attributed to a valuation reset um, to higher rates. You know, PEL multiples reset. It took prices lower early this year. Now companies are struggling just to hit earnings, uh, which, again, is likely to cause some pressure on prices over the next 12 months. So in our opinion, earnings estimates for the next 12 months, unfortunately, have only just begun to be revised downward. Um, so with that being said, we think, again, from a botting perspective, uh, we still might have a ways to go. We haven't had that large capitulation event. We haven't seen the spike in the VIX or the market's volatility index, or the fear index, as some people call it, um, where basically there's this heavy selling, high volatility, basically selling if there's nothing left to sell. Um, you know, we just haven't really seen that yet. And that's what always happens. That's typically kind of something we'll see at the end of a bear market. So with that being said, because we have been down, um, recessions on the horizon, um, uh, again, I think that we probably still have a little ways down. Again, Q4 might be somewhat positive. Q1 of next year, maybe a little bit more suspect. Um, so I'd say, you know, again, maybe Q1, Q2 is kind of these earnings revisions come in and the pricing and the PE multiple of the market kind of resets itself. And then we'll kind of see. Again, at some point, inflation will come down. Rates will kind of find that nice equilibrium. And before you know it, we'll be hopefully knocking on wood. Uh, I think we'll be hearing again where the market is is starting to make meaningful moves ahead, and that the bottom is in. But I don't think we are. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, Susie, I, I apologize. I know we've only got a couple minutes left, but I hate to let Dan get out of here without any listener question. Can we sneak one in quick before we finish? Yes, I think people are responding to what you are talking about. One person just asked what the five-year outlook in the market looked like. I don't know if you can do that. Uh, someone else mentioned uh, with interest rates so low, based on historic levels, is cash becoming obviously more valuable 
and then recommended, do you recommend buying I-bonds? Those would be three things maybe you could get to shortly. Dan, and, about a yeah, minute, a little yeah. over a minute. Yeah. All right. I'll do the quick rundown. So I-bonds, that, that is something that, yeah, um, you can do directly to the Treasury. We have a lot of clients who are interested. They are going to have a reset here, I want to say, next day or two. Um, so, yeah, I-bonds are something definitely take advantage of if you can. Uh, 10K per client. Uh, for social security number and then uh, cash we have a lot of clients who are looking at cash you've got some money markets that are yielding north of two percent we have a short duration fixed income sleeve that's yielding you know two and a half to three percent and treasuries even the short end of the curve are you know upwards of three percent right now so you could certainly look at that and then kind of looking you know, at a five-year outlook i don't necessarily think as a firm we have a, kind of a five-year outlook but what i'd say is in the, you know, in the shorter term you know the next one to two um, a lot of the positive outperformance of a portfolio actually came from the fixed income component of, of a portfolio. So if you think kind of a 60-40 portfolio, or you know, we like to think of it more today as maybe like a 60-30-10 with a 10% allocation to alternatives, um, you know, if you're concerned about the equity markets, you know, the equity markets component of the 60-40 didn't provide as much alpha as maybe that fixed income component did, which I think comes as a surprise to some listeners or some other folks. Yep. Um, you know, consider maybe increasing the allocation there. All right. Thank you both for being a part of this week. Reminding listeners, if you did not get a question answered, that's your money at wealthenhancement.com. Bruce, thank you, thank you, thank you. A one eight 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 six advice if you want to call Wealth Enhancement directly and talk more. See you next time.